Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Lane Parrish stood in the doorway of the Firehouse Restaurant in South Fork. He shed snow from the shoulders of his jacket and then flattened a hand to smooth the moisture out of his fair hair. A shudder rumbled through him as some snow trickled down the back of his shirt. He didn't normally let the cold bother him, but this winter at 8,000 feet in southwest Colorado had been unlike any Lane had seen in recent memory. Were it not for the ready abundance of fresh powder in nearby Wolf Creek ski area, he might have stayed back at his apartment in Boulder. But since his free and unencumbered days were few and far between, he had to take his chances when he could. His preschool daughter wasn't old enough to learn to ski yet. Next winter, though, he'd have that little one on skis working the french fries and pizza. The idea of teaching her how to ski gave him something to look forward to. As Lane had parked in the gravel lot outside, he'd seen a car that had stuck out to him as strange. Shabby, with two flat tires, looking like it had been there for a while. But the strange part was that it had barely any snow on it. Anything else... Anything else in this town had a good six inches of dusting. A server marched up to him, a burly woman with bright pink lips and a smile that looked like she'd been wearing it for the duration of her dinner shift. Just you? Lane nodded. Table, please. She guided him toward a table in the middle of the room. The firehouse was a barn-like, down-home cooking sort of establishment, with pizzas and burgers and an array of beers. The wooden walls were adorned with a dozen flags from various college sports teams. A bank of televisions displayed a college football game to the alternating cheers and jeers of everyone present. Lane sat and snatched a laminated menu from between the ketchup and mustard dispenser bottles. He'd nearly settled on a grilled fish sandwich when the chicken fried steak jumped out at him. Having avoided the dish for years, maybe it was time to take the plunge. He'd had most everything else on the menu anyway. But he kept thinking about that strange car parked outside. How could a car with two flat tires have so little snow on top? It had been dumping all day at least four or five inches since noon. The server approached a gangly teenage girl with acne scattered across her face like points on a map. Good evening, sir. What can I get for you? I mean, have you made your mind up yet? The kid appeared to exhibit this strange mix of apprehension and self-doubt. She swallowed hard as she held up a pad of pen and paper to Lane. He figured it was either her first day or the end of a long double shift. Does the chicken fried steak come with gravy on it, or is that on the side? Lane asked. Um, the kid said, not looking panicked. It's okay, Lane said. Just tell them to put it on the side, please, with a Diet Coke to drink. The young woman scribbled furiously. Is Diet Pepsi okay? Since when? She shrugged. We got a new dealer or whatever. Dealer's not the right word. Distributor? I don't know, but we don't have Coke anymore. It's fine. Pepsi is fine. The kid slid the pad and pen in her pocket and skulked away. Lane picked up a straw from a collection and a cup on the table and he removed it from the wrapper. He bent it back and forth, giving him something to do with his hands as he stared lazily at the football game on the TV screens above. Again, that odd car outside bothered him. The thing had looked at least 20 years old with drooping fabric on the inside ceiling and cracks running along the dashboard. Two flat tires but no snow. The lack of snow bothered Lane. Even if someone had cleared off the snow within the last hour or two, what possible reason could they have? Why clean up a vehicle you can't drive anywhere? 
Lane stood up. He needed to get a second look at that car. Maybe it was nothing, or maybe it was a warning sign. He walked toward the front entrance, and he saw it a split second before he felt it. An explosion. The car was parked next to the building, a half-inch dusting of snow covering it. When it blew, the trunk lifted as if it might pop open, but instead it bent, and the explosion rippled out from inside it. The blast rocketed out in all directions, a ball of fire ballooning in a dozen feet in the air and rushing toward the front of the building. Lane managed to get his hands up in front of his face as glass from the front door sailed at him like a windstorm of knives. His ears filled with the terrible sound of the explosion and the cracking of wood. He backpedaled as the front door of the restaurant collapsed in on itself. This old building had no defense against this bomb, and it gave way without any fight at all. Then a second explosion originated from the side of the restaurant. The wall burst into a thousand pieces as glass and wood showered the patrons at a nearby table. Lane watched a man take a piece of glass to the neck, severing a major artery. The poor guy spun, flailing blood in an arc around him like a sprinkler. He was dead before he even hit the floor. The table flipped and landed on a half-dozen people, pinning them underneath a giant hunk of wood. Voices bellowed in pain as the heavy thing settled on them. Lane sprang into action. He raced across the room as the lights above crashed down to the floor, creating a sea of plastic and glass. Multiple fires ignited around the room. Lane grabbed the hand of a man standing next to the down table, frozen in place like a statue. Help me get this table up, he shouted. The man, a line of blood dribbling down his forehead, snapped out of his trance when Lane squeezed his hand. He and Lane grabbed the table and pushed it up, freeing those trapped underneath it. Four men and two women scurried back away from the table, then Lane let it fall back down. He turned and surveyed the room. There were five or six dead, either cut by glass or splintered wood. A giant television had crushed one man when it had fallen from the wall. The fire was quickly spreading along the remaining walls, and a few of the freestanding tables burst into flames. A woman was slumped in the corner, blood on her arms, but she was still breathing. Lane raced across the room to her and helped her to her feet. "'Can you hear me?' he said, shouting over the din of the crackling fire and collapsing structure." She nodded. I'm going to get you out the front side. You need to come with me. She didn't nod, but her eyes flicked in that direction, so Lane proceeded. She was meek and ambled as if in shock. He escorted the woman, half-dragging her over the piles of things accumulating across the open space. Smoke plumed out from the burning objects, now obscuring most of the room, billowing gray clouds making Lane's eyes burn. Near the front, he helped her ascend the mountain of wood and stone that made up the former entrance to the restaurant. On the other side, now in the parking lot, he let go of her hand. He turned back toward the interior. "'What are you doing?' the woman said, shivering. "'You can't go back in there.' For a moment, he considered her request. Then another explosion happened, this time from the back near the kitchen. A burst of fire flushed out the cutout in the back wall where the kitchen opened into the dining room, his eyes dimmed at the sudden flash of light. Lane met the woman's eyes and shook his head. Then he ran back toward the kitchen, leaping over burning hunks of wood littering the open floor of the restaurant. The fire pushed out of the cutout like lashing tongues. He whipped back the swinging door into the kitchen, and a gust of hot air whipped his face. He felt his eyelashes singe and wilt away in an instant. In the kitchen, a fire raged near the rear wall. There was a giant hole in the back of the room, opening to the outside. Cold air rushed in from the hole, feeding the flames. Lane counted five dead in the kitchen. 
One of them, a tall guy in a cook's white coat, had been torn into pieces scattered across the tile floor. At least, Lane assumed he was a cook. There was too much smoke to know for sure. Lane was about to turn around and leave the room when he heard a sound from somewhere in the back. A woman's voice, someone young, screaming, but muted, as if from inside a closet. Lane pushed through the rubble of broken stainless steel and pieces of foodstuffs as he made his way toward the back right corner toward a giant door. Dry goods storage or a walk-in refrigerator. The voice was coming from inside the walk-in, and it sounded familiar. The same server who had tried to give Lane Pepsi instead of Coke. A metal shelf had collapsed in front of the door, curled around it like a spider clinging to the metal. Lane could see the handle jiggling, but the door wouldn't budge. A rung of the shelf had angled around the length of the handle, forcing it into a closed position. Heat from the fire burned at the back of Lane's neck as he neared the door. I'm going to get you out of there, he shouted at the door. Stand back. When he grabbed onto the metal shelf, the heat from it shocked him and burned his palms in an instant. He yelped and pulled his hands back at a reflex. Lane searched the area. A pile of rags sat on a nearby table, but they were on fire. No gloves. Nothing to spare him the heat. He'd have to use the rags. Lane grabbed a handful of the flaming pieces of cloth, then he dropped them on the ground and stomped out the flames. When he picked them up, they were sizzling to the touch, but it would have to do. He covered his hands in the blackened rags like a boxer and grabbed onto the shelf, now glowing almost red. The heat in the room stole his breath and he grunted against the pain. He had to push down on it to free the pieces of shelving from the door lock. The thing had curled around it like a snake. Hurry, shouted the server on the other side. It's getting smoky in here. I can't breathe. Rather than respond, Lane saved his energy to focus on freeing the door handle from the grasp of the gnarled shelf. He could feel the heat of the fire at his back. Smoke entered his lungs and he resisted the urge to cough. The shelf squealed as he cried and forced it down, trying to unhook it from the door handle. The rags covering his flesh weren't giving any protection from the heat. His hands vibrated from the pain. The blaze reached him and it ran up his back as his jeans caught fire. No pain yet, but he could feel his clothes disintegrating. With one final thrust, he shoved the shelf down, freeing the door handle with an ear-splitting screech. Lane yanked the shelf back and the door was now unobstructed. He grabbed the handle and jerked it back. There stood the young woman, her face and hair blackened with smoke, coughing, eyes red, her head tilted, woozy. Lane snatched her hand and tugged her out of the walk-in refrigerator. He dashed across the room, leaping over a stack of papers burning on the tile. She came with him only half walking, half swooping like a doll dragged across the floor. "'You're on fire!' she shouted. Lane ignored her for now, forcing her out into the dining hall and then across the room. His back sizzled, and he could feel the fire trying to spread around the front of his clothes. The heat was almost unbearable. He pushed the young woman up onto the ten-foot pile that constituted the former front of the building. He couldn't take the pain any longer. Any second, these flames would consume him. Then he rushed past her, seeking the snow outside and flat ground. As soon as he hit the parking lot, he dropped and rolled left and right, feeling the flames gasping for air as they extinguished. After a few rotations in the snow, his body cooled. The flames dissipated. The intensity faded and left behind the ache of lingering pain and heat, but no serious damage. Lane heaved in a breath and then coughed it out, his lungs drowning in black char. He sat up straight, head swimming. The young server stumbled toward him and then she collapsed in the snow in front of Lane. On her knees, tears streaming down her face. Why? she said, bawling. Why did they do this? 
laying his hands now stinging with the after-effects of the burn, reached over and put a hand on her shoulder. You're okay, he said, coughing out each word. It's over now. We made it out alive and we're going to be okay. No, the girl said between sobs. You don't understand. This wasn't supposed to happen this way. He raised what remained of one of his eyebrows. What are you saying? Now she looked him in the eye. She was in shock, her lip quivering. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. Lane put a hand on her other shoulder and gripped, squeezing hard enough to get her attention. Something was very wrong here. What wasn't supposed to happen like this? The girl dragged a hand under her nose, swabbing a snot bubble. They said they would wait until I was off work. They promised. Lane released her and sat back, dumbfounded. The young server hung her head, staring down at the burns on her hands. Then she coughed. He stood, gazing over the destruction as the fire raged on, the booming of sirens behind him. They were supposed to wait until she was off work. She and others had done this on purpose. He bent over and snatched her by the arm, jerking her to her feet. What the hell? she said. The cops will be here in two seconds, and you will tell them exactly what you told me. Understand? Either that, or you can go back inside that building with the dozen people you just killed. He didn't let her choose. He forced her toward the parking lot, where a collection of sirens shot blue and red lights on all the surrounding surfaces, and escorted her toward the nearest police car. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.